Hello and welcome to Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast where I introduce you to the most amazing producers, entrepreneurs and consultants who work with me to help me build stronger, healthier, better versions of food businesses. I've been building teams to work with food businesses for over 25 years now. We're taking you behind the scenes in my business to meet some of them. Let me introduce you to Pat Hines from Pat and Pinkies. Pat has a lockdown story that tops most that I've heard. He has been in Guyana for 14 months after he went out on a buying trip and the pandemic broke out. But he's used that time to really immerse himself, to build his relationships and to learn more about his products and the influences of that food and believes that he's now coming back to the UK to absolutely supercharge what he's doing. And I'm really delighted that we've managed to link up with him and have a chat with him so that he can share some of that enthusiasm and his journey with you all. Pat, I'm delighted that we've got you here, that we've got you on the podcast, that we can see each other and chat as if we're sitting in the same room and yet you're in Guyana. Tell us how long you've been there and how that came about because you're certainly having a very different pandemic experience to the rest of us. It really, really is different. I literally got to Guyana last March. The 1st of March I got in for uh, originally a six-week farm buying trip to buy all my raw ingredients that make our sauces. And two weeks later, there was a worldwide pandemic and I'm still in Guyana, which is now coming on to, we're we're at the end of this month, it's going to be a year and a month. That's incredible, isn't it? May it starts to be a year and a second month and it's just been amazing, life-changing. But it has been life-changing for you and I really want to hear a little bit about that. So... First of all, yeah. let's just go back a tiny wee bit. Pat and okay. Pinkies, the brand, yep. Yep. wasn't your first job straight out of school. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely wasn't. When did you know you were going to have Pat and Pinkies and what were you doing before that? No problem at all. Well, I think unbeknown to me, I knew I was going to have Pat and Pinkies 34 years ago when my mum passed away because that was the biggest memory and food memory that I had from her other than being an amazing person was like you know what what's for dinner <laughs> what's for breakfast what's for lunch it was always speaking about what's our next meal so when she passed away and I was able to get my own kind of apartment I realized I hadn't really cooked before but then I cooked a meal and it was like oh this is work so this is really easy and and was that in London or was that in Guyana? This was in London. This yep. was definitely no, was in, in London, London in that mm-hmm. way there in, in South London at that time. So it was always, for an example, like a hobby or, you know, uh, my, my partner at the time there, I would cook for her and everybody just loved my food. But it was yep. just always as a hobby, always as a hobby. And then throughout those 34 years, I've kind of just been running all different kind of businesses, marketing businesses, fashion company businesses, all different types of businesses that sell products. Training for your real job. Honestly, without a doubt, everything has culminated to this situation and position. And my last company, I ran for about 22 years, and that was a marketing company doing merchandise for every kind of brand you can believe 
in the UK from like Nike and Adidas and Bacardi and local councils. So I was just embedded with this game called marketing and branding. Yeah. And uh, I came back to Guyana to see my, my father and my stepmom. And something just happened that just made all the sense of, I think what I'm supposed to be doing is here. I don't know what it is. And then I just spent two years working it out, really knowing all the time it was going to be food. And that's what happened. But kind of thinking that couldn't be what it was and and looking at what else it might be. I couldn't Mm -hmm. believe it was so obvious. Yeah. It was in my face. And I literally, I started a little fashion company doing kind of like, you know, artisan flip-flops, leather flip-flops. That was just kind of to put me above the parapet in Guyana that people could see who I was. And also to start feeding into the UK. I think I'm going to be in Guyana get ready. You're going to be hearing a lot of this word Guyana, South America. And let's kind of start working and building a story around that. Brilliant. That That's kind of how it came to pass. And so then the brand started when? I started the brand March the 15th, March the 15th, 2019. So gosh, I must have met you even earlier on in your journey than I realised I did then, because I think I probably met you about six weeks in. Yep. Yep. And yep again, like literally, but because we did so much background work, you know, I've been coming to Guyana since I've been 18 months of age, a holiday and business is two different things. So I had to kind of learn what that type of language was. How do people do business? Building trust with people on my side and on their side of me. So when we did launch, clearly nothing, I'm not into perfection. I'm just into really let's 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 do it as best as we can action. but at Take least i was able to smooth out a lot of issues that could have happened if i did it any faster yes no but that's that's fantastic and so why has this last 13 months been life changing what is it that has fallen into place or changed about what you're thinking well for me first things first my dream was to not go to the local wholesalers. It was to get on a plane and come back home and work directly from the ground up with the farmers. That for me was going to be a must. Yes. It was also going to be a USP. It was also going to be, I want yeah. everybody to grow. I want everybody yeah. to rise. And it, and it was just, it's, it was, you know, and it, cause I could see my dad really often. You know, so there was a lot of kind of touch points into that situation. So, for an example, the last 13 months have been, I know my dad more than I've ever known him before. I know kind of how how him and my mother met and the courting that they did. I'm up to 700 plus recipes. They're just coming out of me like hip, hip records. I'm just in the energy of Guyana, South America. How wonderful. How somebody might go to Brighton. I'll go to the jungle for the weekend. It's just allowing me to kind of really tune into what it is that I'm doing. And there is something too, I find this often, you can, in London, you can get anything. So you can go into a a store in London and you can pick up Tunisian food. And you can understand a bit about it. But when you go to Tunisia and somebody gives you a really sweet cup of tea or a really strong cup of tea normally. I understand, yes. You then understand why you need a really sweet cake to go with it. And so the pastries and things, and a lot of the ingredients that you've seen, that you knew about, Harissa, things that you were familiar with, just fall into place. So I can imagine that you've had that 
to the power of 10 because you've been with family and you've been in and around folk and I've obviously been watching your social all the time but yeah, you can get yeah. back here and start kicking that <laughs> exactly that's I mean, everybody's asking me when's the book yeah I'm ready and they're like going Pat when you come back you need to start cooking this food because like you know like we we, we 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 you've we, made you us know, all hungry for a year literally Just selfish literally I'm so sorry but it's a fact it's I a know, fact I know it's well fact, I, but... you know too that I have a guy in his neighbour and he says yes. I lifted his pandemic depression <laughs> by taking him a whole lot of your products leaving them Thank in his you. doorstep and he was like <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And yeah. he was like, how did you know about this? But then he also, another evening, we were having a yes. chat and I said, I know yes. a few Guyanese people. And yes. before I had said about you, I yeah. have a friend, Carol, who's part Guyanese. And yes. we spoke about that. And then I said, Mark. And he knew yes. Mark. Everybody so, knows Mark. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Delgetti <laughs> from Tees. So then I phoned Mark. It was like, you're not going to believe who's in my house. It was just... It, it's such a small world and more and more. And even this year, when we've all been locked down, yes. you've still been so connected to us all in your social and things that it hasn't yeah. felt like you were away, except that your local your local newspaper ran a headline saying you'd run away to Guyana. But... <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll be back when I need to be back. I know Funny. that was that's it. crazy. That was really good. I know. <laughs> so that's that's wonderful to hear about where it began, where your interest in food began. And yeah. it's funny, isn't it? People who love food, and I think most people that work in the food industry, it is a calling, it's a vacation. It's not something you do because it's easy. It's not the fastest way to make money. It's none of those things. And I think a lot of people who are in it are in it because they really, really love it. And I always say to people, if you talk about, do you remember when we went such and such a place? I will be thinking it smelt like this. The food memory. And the food that we tasted was like that. I never really understood this until I was doing NLP for business leaders one year. Yes. And every time they talked about what did you see? What did you hear? I was like, I'm not sure, but I know I smelt. Yes. And I know what I tasted. And it's just how I remember things. And even now, somebody hands me a cream or something to put in your face. And I'll say, oh, I had that when I was about 18. You know, my sense of smell is very strong. And obviously yours is too. So tell me some of the flavours from your childhood that you've rediscovered then. Oh, brilliant. I mean... It's so funny you, you've gone on to that because I literally had some notes written out, but they're so etched in my brain, I can tell you it. Mm-hmm. Everything about the products we make, the first thing that happens is a jolt of flavor from I haven't got a clue where it comes from hits my tongue and palate. And seems familiar. And is just the taste is done. So mm-hmm. if it's my chutney, I know the outcome of the chutney taste from that jolt yes and we've just had this i can't say luck i just think it's kind of the blessing the blessing of of my mother pinky you know it's like okay we make the product and some people say when they're developing products it takes 10 times and 15 Mm -hmm. times we do it in the first time i then kind of play about with it because i still can't believe we got the flavor right the first time it's just how it is so to give you an example, I remember in the days of wrestling in the UK with giant haystacks and Big yes. Daddy, 
and my mum might have made kind of like spare ribs and guinea style fry rice that Saturday dinner. I know that fully. I've got the recipe in my brain. We make that easy. Well, and I've been watching you doing the chow mein and stuff too, which has yes. been so funny because for me, that's when a folk always say, where did you like traveling to? I always used yes. to say Trinidad because yes. of that mashup of food as well. Same, same things, Do you know, like going to the Chinese and getting jerk duck or <laughs> just the the flavors and the combinations yep. of sweet, sour, yep. savory. Yeah. All those different influences from the slave trade coming through the country, you know, and just the power of that food. And it's so much more interesting, isn't it? And it's funny because we all think now, you know, we live in London, it's global, it's all mixed up. Those cuisines have been like that for so long, but they've been like that for so long too. It's the norm. Yeah. Yeah. we're not the first folk to travel. <laughs> exactly. You know. We can go to a party. You could go to a, let's say, a Guyanese party. And on your plate, mm-hmm. you will have some African, Indian, Chinese, before the starters, the hors d'oeuvres, that yep. could be English and Portuguese. Nobody's clashing on the plate. No. At all. No, no. Everything's it's- just like, oh, oh. No one is clashing on the plate. No. Which, but when you grow up with it, it's your norm. But when you're kind of in the industry, you like go, hold on a second. This is the USP. Yeah. Okay. It is. And it is. And I mean, and to me, that's what made Trinidad more exciting than some other islands in that area too. That same mix of stuff, do you know? And it is, and, and it is funny too, but as you say, to you, that's just your mum's cooking. And you don't think... Do you mean that everyone else didn't eat that? (laughs) (laughs) And you can feel sorry for me because my my dad, bless him, travelled a lot for work and he didn't like anything that wasn't very plain and very Scottish. But in our house, macaroni in Scotland was made by a company called Marshalls and it would come in a tartan box Therefore, wow. pasta was never Italian. It was Scottish. Yes. yes. And so we were allowed Marshall's macaroni. But Amazing. my dad would never have had macaroni and cheese on its own because there would have been no meat in it and that wouldn't have done. <laughs> and so we <laughs> used, to, we used to have dad. to have chopped ham in it. Do you know what? And now you just think, what? But when dad Brilliant. went away, mum would be like, well, we try right. that African peanut stew recipe. So she was like bursting to try different things, yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. it is funny, isn't it? But it's I mean, amazing. you you had such an amazing burst of flavors and things. So very lucky, yeah. being very lucky about it. Very, it is very good. lucky, and lucky too mm-hmm. that your mum was a cook, you know, and could cook. Because yeah. there are also I've had friends that have told me stories about things that yes. their parents made that would never have made you excited about food, you know. Yeah, she was, I mean, you know, a a classic Sunday dinner for us would be about four to five courses. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, from eating fish with kind of fish knives and that kind of stuff. It was all about kind of the meal. And also it was inadvertently kind of like education. When you kind of go out there, we want you to feel confident in any room that you're in. Isn't that wonderful? Just lots of training was going on. Yeah. And food was the glue of it. You know? Of bringing a family together around the table too and everything. It's, um, 
I know. I mean, that that is all so important, isn't it? Now, obviously, the business is called Pat and Pinkies, and Mum yes. is Pinky of that Pat and Pinky. Um, so she's obviously been a big influence on your life. Massive. And a, and a big role model, which is amazing because obviously you said at the beginning she died 34 years ago. So she was concentrated, you know, because you really got a good dose of her for the time she was with you. 100%. You? It's, it's wonderful. Especially when I allowed what the blessing really was. Yes. Not that I was, not that I was blocking it, but no. there was a next level of abundance after the acceptance of like, yeah. do you know what? We're going to share my mum and how amazing she was to the world. And we're going to do it underneath a banner, which I love, called Food. And it was just all, it just all was quite natural in that way, you know. So it wasn't kind of how some of the amazing people that I like doing it's my mum's recipe or whatever in that way, there. It's just legacy and that's the one that makes me want to hit people what is unique (laughs) about your product it's a family recipe yeah well hello you know (laughs) if if everybody i mean i used to say if everybody that had told me that their hot sauce was unique because it was their mother's (laughs) recipe i wouldn't still be working do you know brilliant brilliant, and and it's it's so true it's the go-to mum is obviously a big role model yes who else have you learned things from in business as you've travelled through, a funny thing that happens as I ask people this is I've, I've learned that for people quite often, it's somebody they worked with in a Saturday job or quite early on that has shown them something that they either think, there are two ways that, that this yep. can happen. You either think that person's amazing. I love how they do that. I want to do that myself. Yeah. Or you think I'm not comfortable with how that person does that and I never want to make anyone feel like that. And so what we say is, if you've got the good ones, then share their name. <laughs> and if you haven't, share the experience of what you know yes. you didn't want yes. to do. But who, who have some of those role models been that you've learned from? And I mean, they can also be people in books. I mean, you, I and Adrian Lucky share... Um, podcasts and are always pinging each other back and forward yes. um, different podcasts and things we've listened to and I've actually got loads that I haven't shared with you recently I've found some good ones so I must um, sit down over the weekend and ping you a few but thank you thank um, you but you know so it doesn't need to be people you've met but people you've read about or found tell me who your influences have been well first things first Jane I've been very lucky to have an abundance of people that have supported anything that is in my brain that number one, you can do it. Number two, I'm here to help you in whatever way I can. And just, I think that's why I've never ever had a job before. I've always worked for myself since the age of 16. So my first person is my father who wasn't a business person, but he ran his whole life like a company in regards of the way it was planned, the repetition of yep. it, the planning, the structure for it. You know, I was going on planes from 18 months of age, which in the 1960s and 70s, is you very know, unique. So a, a, lot, yeah. a lot of people used to have to wait for their first paycheck to go to Terramolinos or whatever. Yeah. It was quite normal for our six weeks holiday to be in America or Canada. Lido de Yeselo in Venice. <laughs> 
You understand? <laughs> yeah. Right? That's kind of the first ones. So definitely my father. Then I had a, a dear friend of mine that I did an internship at a record company, and he was the investor of the record company, a guy called Peter Alcaraz, and his day job was a banker. But we were just really great friends. And the way he worked, to be honest, of some of my mentors, if I literally copied them, yes, everything in my life would be really different. But that's the beauty of also having your own kind of headspace on how you think you about stuff. You don't see well and what you value. You are, and you, you are yeah. who you are and how you are. But yeah, so Pete was just a, a great role model of kind of, you know, like hard work, being smart, you know, being honest, being humble. You know, it doesn't make sense to buy a, a, a Ferrari when you can kind of like buy two houses that you can then retire at 45 and then go to a Ferrari. Kind of just yeah. real kind of like basic yeah. stuff. But good, good basics that a lot of folk don't absolutely, get. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. My Prince Youth Business Trust Advisor, John Huckle, who, you know, was came to advise me and I said, I need you to be in this company when the time's right. And he became like my financial director, but also I called him like my business dad. You know, yes. like I can, yeah. I can make all my mistakes, you know, like go, that was a bit dumb, but let me tell you about some of the dumb things that I've done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's brilliant, isn't it? I always, I, a long time ago, I remember saying to a guy that had Mexican restaurants in London and Paris yes. and Amsterdam, and I said to him, how, when I was wrestling with having five staff and trying to work out how I wanted to run the business things, and I said, how do you know that? And he said, I'm 25 years older than you. And I have Damn. shoveled all the shit that you're shoveling now. <laughs> and and that's, and that's how I know it. Do you know that what? Is, and, that is the answer. But he said, but if I share it with you, you don't have to shovel it. And that is the lovely thing about surrounding yeah. yourself and having people around you that can tell you all of that, isn't it? That can help you. And you just kind of, you, you know that, Sometimes they might not always be right because you've got to do things your way. You've got to, as I call it, you've got to have your own personal headbutt with the water. Like go, that was painful. That was really, really painful. And paracetamol's not working right now. I need to kind of lie down and take five and work this one out. But as you know, I've just been very fortunate to have a lot of that kind of stuff around me. And Mm -hmm. then kind of, you know, read, read, you know, I was always an avid book reader where I just loved reading about people's lives from, you know, be it like musicians and everything that they kind of went through. And, you know, the first deals with the Beatles, they were getting like a penny a record. Like everybody has to learn is my point. Yes. You have to go through the process. And and some people can come alongside you and help you get there faster or point out the bits that you really do want to avoid so that you don't get your leg taken off by the alligator and your way to learning <laughs> that thing. You know? True. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah, there yeah. are some things that you can learn, but there are definitely things you have to experience to, to, very true. to know very as well. True. But, yeah, been very, very lucky with mentors. Yeah, but that's great, isn't it? And quite something to have been unemployed your whole life. <laughs> Literally. But I'm also the best to employee. To self-employed. But you've just got I know. To- I say now I'm definitely unemployable because I could not work for somebody else and have them tell me that I couldn't have that Friday off because I'd used up all my days off or something. I can't even think of it. The the fact that when you work for yourself, you probably have never had a Friday off, but but you always know you've got that choice. And I mean, that's something that gives me real peace of mind with my mum. I always think if I need to do something with her, I can do it. Nobody can tell me I can't. 
And that's a, it's it's that sort of control of, isn't it? It's very it's important. It's true. I need yeah. to be in control of my own. I need to be able to paddle my own canoe. It's just something that it's been programmed to me from a kid. And I don't even know any other way to do it. I know if I don't work and I don't get paid, it's all up to me. I prefer being in that space for me. And I think for me, something similar, I always knew I wanted to work for myself and I've always done very project-based work and enjoyed that. But I'd always sort of thought, right, at some point I'm going to work for myself. And I bought a house and then I went into work the next morning and they said, now, we have to make you redundant today, but we waited till you got your mortgage yesterday. And they were like, aren't we nice? And I was thinking, no, (laughs) I've just every penny I've got into house in London and now I don't have a job but it then made me think well why am I waiting for something else that's going to make me feel more secure when actually being in charge of it yourself and being able to know what's coming because you're in charge of it is is a much safer way and you know when folks say to me oh I wouldn't work for myself unless there were two of us and the other person was making you know, making the money and I'm just going to sit back kind of thing. And I think, yeah, see, I just have never functioned like that. Yeah. I never expected to. I've, I've sat in investor meetings where it's been obvious that folk are looking for investment to pay them the same six-figure yes. salary that they're getting now so that they'll leave their job to come and start their own business. And you think, you must... Be mad if you think anyone's going to do that for you. So I, I think it's interesting, but there is a, a type of person that can see the risks and is still willing to take it. And, and it's it's great. And it's what's lovely about working with entrepreneurial people, isn't it? That that they have that. Yeah. It's the only way I know. And that's interesting too, because your parents weren't self-employed. Not or, at all. Not but, at all. But, but they still... Give you the confidence to be able well, it's, to it's, think of it's that. Really, it's really interesting because, you know, in the ideal world, you know, especially from my Caribbean, South American upbringing, especially with my father, because you've got lots of Caribbean, you know, people of my age and their parent or parents might have been, just make sure you go to school. Yes. Just make sure. Whereas my dad was like, we used to go to Charing Cross Foyle's bookshop and get the syllabus of the year above. So I'm teaching, I'm, you got homeschool, literally, and yeah. you got school school. So there was always a programming to just think like a king and to think that and you And that can everything do. was open to you, which is Done. lovely, isn't it? That's Done. a great confidence that your dad's that had. is really the basic level of you can do it. And, and we'll support you. We'll back yeah. you. If you do it, yeah. we're yeah. right behind you, which is lovely, 100%. isn't it? I know that is that's a really special thing now stepping out of your comfort zone this is one of these things that folk always say you know you don't grow unless you step out your comfort zone and I can remember thinking I feel quite uncomfortable anyway so I don't know that I want to step further but then I realized if you're feeling uncomfortable that's because you are already outside your comfort zone and growing yeah and and I don't like repetition and I don't like doing the same thing all the time so I'm always stretching a wee bit and going for the next thing and looking at what's changed and what needs to change. And if you hadn't got that lesson, then the last year has taught us all that that there will always be a degree of flexibility in what we're doing. 100%. Nobody more so than you, (laughs) who's been in Guyana for 13 months. 100%. What 
would you say now when you look back that you're surprised you've done in any of the jobs you've done where you've really stepped out your comfort zone but if you'd been looking at yourself age 20 you'd just have thought no I wouldn't be doing that on the very basic level of just following through what my brain is telling me to have a go at Mm -hmm. has been always my initial comfort kind of zone but the belief the belief is what makes it crudely not uncomfortable so my uncomfortable parts a little bit it's like oh my gosh I gotta call this person and say this can't really work anymore you know those kind of like little hard phone calls or you gotta kind of you know call the bank and like go I need one more day or you know you know it's that's been my main basic uncomfortable parts Uh yeah you know, I think that because of all the years that I've been doing my own stuff, yeah, I've kind of experienced everything in some way. Of course, it could be amped up. You know, you owe 1,000, someone owes 100,000. The feeling's still the same of, I've got to find that 1,000 to pay. I've got to find that 100,000 to pay. Um, so to give you an example, I had a container come from Guyana with our first shipment at the end of 2018 for 2019 and it wasn't my product inside what was it it was my hot sauce but it wasn't my hot sauce you know it was definitely some 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 sides were cut you know kind of (laughs) and because of my palate I'm like oh my gosh the black pepper's not right this is not right whatever however so I ended up the week after getting back on a plane and it was only my father that knew that there was a situation. And when I went to the factory, it was all, you know, a little bit confusing that nobody could have my right information for me. But the main thing I was a bit uncomfortable about was my friends that had kind of, you know, put some support into the Mm -hmm. project, me having to like go, guys, it's all gone a little bit to the left because my initial fear was like a pat, you know what? You don't really know what you're doing. And, you know, I've given you some, but we're going to bail out right now. So that was my kind of squeaky feeling. The joke when I told them, they told me about containers that they've come, you know, ones in the fashion business. Would you want me to tell you about my jackets that came? That one was like a, like a t-shirt length on the right. And the other one was, and I go, okay, drama is normal. Okay. Okay. But it, it just gave me the kind of confidence to know that if you're doing business, there is always going to be some drama. And it's how you deal with it that sets you apart, isn't it? It's how you deal with it. And, you know, being in kind of Guyana for this period of time and literally having to run a company remotely. Yep. Thank you very much, internet. Yeah, but it has also made you much clearer about the instructions you're given, buttoning it down. Absolutely, absolutely. And also when there is some drama, let's think about it in the whole ecosystem. It's not going to close the company because you've got too many layers that you've put that that can't happen. But how can you make that issue, which will clearly come up again, Mm -hmm. how can you tweak it to make it a little bit more efficient? So I feel in this particular business with the culmination of all my businesses and experience that I've got, I'm just working definitely with a lot more intelligence and less emotion. That's that's great, isn't it? These are brilliant things to have learned. 
tell me about some of the things you've eaten recently. Because while I have to say to everyone else now, I realise that we've had lockdown and you won't have eaten any different or you won't have eaten out as much as you normally do. I know that you've been cooking up a storm because I've been yeah. watching. So tell me a few of the the good things you've had in the last couple oh, absolutely. of months. Well, well, our curries are clearly stepped right up and they were okay. Yeah, but they certainly were. Just using the ingredients around us is what's so exciting for me. So basically in Guyana, we have six cultures. We have the Amerindian as the original, African, which is on the back of slavery, Indian, Chinese and Portuguese on the back of indented service ship and the UK who owned everybody and, you know, the Dutch before and everything like that. So even though we've got six cultures, and if I was to say each culture has three breakfasts, three lunch, three dinner, which is nine, nine times four, that's like, um, my maths has gone bad. Nine times four, is that 42? It's terrible mm. if I can't add. Four nine's 36. 36 for an example so that's 36 my father would be proud of me because that is not mine that's really good and glad that my dad's downstairs because he would be looking at me from the corner of his eye yes um but to think that before anything starts i've got 36 dishes to play with okay so that's from curries that's from stews that's from you know down to kind of like you know our version of like egg and bread it's kind of scrambled but it's clearly got seasoning in it It's clearly got a bit of chilli in it. You would hope so. (laughs) It needs to. Yeah. So what's been happening for us is that we've been doing all of the hits, chow mains and fried rices and curries and national dishes like kind of garlic pork and pepper pot and things like that. But because I've totally got this English side of the brain as well, it means that I can kind of do dishes with ingredients that are just totally used every minute, but it's just a bit different. Yes. It's just a bit different. And that's been really exciting because that's going to allow me to do two things. That's going to allow me to be showing people what you can do also with Guyanese ingredients and flavours that they might know and understand. Yes. Because there is that... There's an element, isn't there? We used to write recipes for Waitrose and they always used to say, no more than eight ingredients in something... And never more than one thing that people wouldn't have used before. Because you see a recipe that's got something in it and you go, oh, I don't know what that is. And then you look at the notes and it tells you what it is and you know you can get it in store. Yes. But then you think, okay, but that's something else that I don't know. I don't know how that's going to turn out. What if I spend half an hour making this and nobody wants to eat it and we've got no dinner? And so you go, no, I won't. Whereas if you can go, so this is a bit like stuff fried ah. rice but it's got this in it and that makes it different and then everyone's comfortable with that absolutely absolutely yeah. and another thing jane is that this is where the whole product side of pat and pinkies comes into play as well yeah. so for an example you've got nobody knows about my hero ingredient called the wiri wiri chili but everybody knows about the peri peri chili yeah. So, but your very very chili quest, oil would cure colds. It's helpful. It's superb. It's, 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 it's such it's just a lovely got product. flavor. But because I did that because I love pizza. Yes, Guyanese love pizza, but they would never play with chili oil. So instantly, I've just crossed over something that is not far away from me because I kind of love it. I, but I have then, to say that 
Mm. under the skin of a roast chicken or drizzled over the top of a roast chicken yeah. or just those kind of things I love spice as well yes. and yes. and chilli and flavours and all the spices I love and so I mean that chilli oil that's just such a cheat you know just to do yes. that knocks it out of the park makes it different but what else are you going to tell me about a roast chicken? So for an example just to say it's a roast chicken and all of a sudden, you've kind of just done something totally different with it, with a product. Yep. You've kind of gone right into Guyanese cuisine, wherever you are living in the world. Just with one simple ingredient. But the other thing is, too, your ingredients are all really clean. Yes. You know, so I'm not getting a, a fake version of something no. Guyanese either. I am getting the real thing. And unlike a lot of the big brands of Afro-Caribbean mm. stuff that you get that are so far removed from the flavours yeah. you get in country. 100%. But that's what I love about your stuff. It is like home cooking. It can do that for, for me, a Scottish person. <laughs> yes. Well, I remember I remember years ago, Jane, I was at my friend's house and she is a cook. She just loves food. But we were having something fast instead of a, like a, a takeout, pre-delivery yeah. and that kind of expansion of business and it was a jar and it was i think it was firecracker chicken in regards of the mm-hmm. marinade from wagamama and when i had it i was like you know what i'm not really into the jars kind of ready mm-hmm. thing but this is crudely quite like you get in the restaurant yes yes so and, so and there their was stuff a, a was in my yeah, because yeah, I know how how all that was being produced at that point, and I mean it definitely was. It's a great, just it is, and it's that thing, isn't it? Simple stuff, well done. You cannot knock it, compete with it, knock it out the park. Yeah, um, yeah. What about sweet things? What are the sweet influences oh, in Guyanese my gosh. food? Guyanese love sugar, obviously from slavery and sugarcane. They are. You know, in a in a fresh juice, they'll still add sugar in it. They just got sugar. They just love it. I love seeing the cane for sale too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for an example, you've got pastries like pine tarts, which is like a triangle pastry, and the original way of the pineapple inside, you would stew it. In the modern day, for the cheat, you would use pineapple jam yes, in that way. Yes. You know, oh, lovely. Um, You've then got from the the Indian side, uh, Mitai, which is kind of like, you know, um, fried dough with icing sugar on it. That's just kind of Moorish. You've got something called Salara, which is crudely like a bread, but it has, it's like a roulade. And the roulade part is coconut, coconut that's coloured with Mm -hmm. with like red colouring. It's like a roly-poly in that way there. Yeah, like a jam roly-poly. Exactly, uh exactly. You know, uh, we call it black cake, um, which is kind of, you know, it's not necessarily rum cake. No, because that's from other places. Yeah. But I mean, there's such a great history of beautiful rich fruit cakes, celebration cakes and and sugar craft and stuff too within these cultures, isn't there? It's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so interesting what is at the end of my fingers to play with it's just like waking up to a playground on a daily basis that's fantastic isn't it have you met new suppliers and people have you been able to cement new relationships while you've been out there my main thing has been widening the pool of farmers 
Yep. That's been my main situation, just building the relationships, explaining to them about my story. I've been fortunate that farmers that I work with are taking me to kind of some of their friends. Yep. And, you know, my, my dream and, and mission is to be working with 100,000 acres within the next 10 to 15 years. That That's a lot of chili. That is. That's great. I have a friend who is a farmer or who was a farmer in Barbados and she was one of the first female farmers, which caused wow. amusement within farming. And she used to say to me, if you're coming over from London, could you bring me floury Some wellies or something just yeah, to wind yeah, yeah. them all up? Because that's what they think <laughs> I'll be wearing. I get you, I but get you, I get she you. she has just been made the head of agriculture for Barbados. And so now we're going to have a chat the next to. week about what they could be exporting how they could be adding value to it, how we can make sure that from there, they're getting most of the value in things that they're sending over yeah. to us. So how we can add it in at that end. So I'm excited to be doing that. But that's brilliant. That's great for you to be able to work with those farmers and and make sure that they get a good deal too. It's my dream. It? I mean, you know, I've seen this throughout the research and, you know, kind of like vision memories is what I'm talking about. Kind of like yep. walking where you cannot see the end of the land. Yep. And all you can see is pineapples and a pineapple gets cut and you realize, you know, my question, well, how come you guys are wearing, you know, all black rubber gloves? Yes. He says, press that. Oh, I understand. This is war. This, this fruit is in war. They defend themselves uh-huh. properly. And then you eat some and you like go, my gosh, that is one of the sweetest pineapples that I've ever had. And I'm sure it's amped up even more because I'm on a pineapple farm. Yes. <laughs> you know, you're just like, know. You're just, you know, but the fact of the matter is it just allows me to like go, okay, well, what kind of pineapple products can we be doing in the future? Let's get the brain, you know, yeah. it just, it's just a constant energy and, of, and it is just like walking around a shop only you're yes. walking around fields and seeing yes. those things and that's fab and then if you were speaking to people who have decided that they want to have the lifestyle you have to be able to make okay. those choices for themselves to be able to start their own business be it in the food industry or where you know, whatever, because you've done so many things. What would you say to them? Focus on this first. Make sure you get this right, and everything else will I could, I fall could into you place. Quite, I, I could tell you quite easily, and I can tell you that from the experience over the years. Because obviously, when I started, I was a bit kamikaze because I'm young. I, I'm fearless in that way there. So for is that a is young, a brilliant thing, isn't it? You're just not afraid. I don't know. Ne- I, I don't know what's never not wrong or right. to you that you might. Or, or that it might harm you, annoy yeah. anyone else. It, there's a real naivety, which is nice at that stage. Yeah. And I think with kind of social media and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of sugarcoating. So yeah. the one thing I would say is that really tune into what it is that you think you might want to do and start, if you were working, Yep. start it as a side hustle of tuning into it because it finds yourself a job that doesn't require 60 hours of your week understand but but that when you leave it you can leave it 
and then focus the rest of your time and, and realise that that means your weekends and your evenings and everything. And Because if you can't, if you're not prepared to give it that much time, you shouldn't be doing it. It's impossible because yeah. the reality is, is that it's a lot more work and thought than you would ever have imagined. And it always it's takes like longer. Building you know, a house. Say, yeah, that's we'll, the word. Perfect. We'll need, we'll need investment next month. Yeah. And I say it would take you six months to get that investment in place. As well. Just like finding big customers will always take you longer than finding small ones. So if you want some big ones, that's fine. But you've got to build yourself that flexibility and that time and have a mix of things. And the whole eggs in one basket thing yeah. has, has really shone a light on that this year, hasn't it? Like, 100%. Well, you, you've had some companies that, you know, they had, you know, some major kind of contract catering deals with their products and not overnight while the night was still happening. It's gone. I know. And I mean, you know, my business is like that. We had products that were going into retail we had products that were going into food service we had products that were going into airlines we had yes. you know, a real mix and even at that but the good thing is if you're in a few places some will get hit more than the others but and also reacting and changing yes. is what has has kept us buoyant i think well yeah i mean just kind of the the, the glass is always full half full yes but more importantly you're just in, you know, for us, the pandemic allowed us to do what we truly should have been doing at the beginning and making it a really top heavy online business. Yes. Where all of our retailers were amazing partners and showrooms and we were all growing together. Whereas my first model was we need to get it as, into as many shops as possible, blah, blah, blah. With the pandemic, it's just allowed what really should have been happening to kind of happen. Yes. And also for me to really start working properly on the supply chain. Yep. But other people's mindsets have changed too. There were a lot of people yes. that thought if they didn't go to shops and pick their own shopping up, if somebody else in Tesco did it for them, they wouldn't pick as good a tomato, whatever. And then they had to do online because we are still queuing to get into some supermarkets Understand. here. Understand. And so you have to do it online. And people have done it online and discovered that actually it's quite good. And it saves them three hours on a Saturday or And that's the reality. Whatever. And so they're not going to go back the way. So now they're looking for all the lovely little extras, the niche things, the different brands, those extra things that they can pick up. I also think a lot it. of folk have had to learn to plan cook we we were definitely popping into shops to get breakfast popping into a shop to get lunch popping yes. into a shop to get dinner and now you're saying how can i avoid having to queue like this more than once a week and so there's there are a lot of skills that have been gained and i hope that they'll stay with people well i, I think jane i think everything has changed forever right and it's just kind of how do you work within that ecosystem of the change? Because without a doubt, people are going to start going back into eat and restaurants and that kind of stuff. Um, and part of our target market, I know they eat out three to five times a week because they can. But more importantly, because of this COVID, I know that now might be two to three. So we need to try and catch them of one of those days at least in like in two weeks. Yes, yes. And we also need to be making products that allow people to cook but also to save time. Yes. So 
instantly they know if they use a Pat and Pinky product, we're going to be eating in 25 minutes and it's going to feel like we just cooked for an hour and a half. Brilliant. But, but, we, but somebody else has done that hour's work. And those are the good products, aren't they? The ones that the hits. you would never bother. I, we had this conversation actually the other day about... I was trying some salt cod that had actually come from Shetland in the north of Scotland. Yes. And I had said to everybody, you do know that this will have to soak for 24 hours before we do anything with it. And then I read the packaging and it said 48 hours, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting. Then I had to phone everyone going, two days, two days, not one. And then at the very end of all of this process, we tasted a beautiful salt cod patty that they had made that they are selling as a patty. As well, Okay. And I said, why would you not buy that ready-made? Now that you've come through the pain of soaking the salt cod, making, it was fish cakes they told us to make. And I just think there is no way you're ever going to go through two days of prep to make fish cakes that tasted perfectly nice, but they didn't taste different enough to justify, why would you not just have bought fresh cod? You know, because we're not in a situation where we can't get fresh cod. None of us are. I understand exactly what you mean. What was that? Whereas when we all got the patty, and I mean, it was was in a... Like the burger kind of thing where it's kind of down, like um, the packaging? No, it it was in a small pot, like a a yogurt pot, or do you know that you used to get cottage cheese in, that kind of small size of pot? pot. Yes, Um, yes. Pat and I are communicating on the podcast, but also looking at each other on Zoom. And I'm showing him the size of it, which is of no use whatsoever if you're listening to this podcast. So I'm sorry about that. But a small, I would say, 100, 150 gram pot. And it was about £7. And somebody said, would you buy that? I said, absolutely you would, because you've just saved yourself two days work. And it's a really lovely starter. You could, and I was saying to them, they were laughing at me, because I said, remember when you used to have people round? to the house because we're not doing that just now yes I and understand. i said if you were having folk around you were having drinks or something you would put that out on biscuits on little oat cakes yeah, or yeah, something yeah, and yeah, yeah. everybody would say what the hell's that where's it from yeah and you only need a teaspoon of it because it's a powerful product understand so you know and that you can see and your stuff's like that people will buy your product because it will give them an end result that they'd have had to prep for two or three hours to get that's the to. reality that's the reality but it will taste as good as if they had done that. And that's also the reality again, you know, and there's always going to be space to, you know, to, to zhuzh it up, to pimp it up, to kind of customize it as well. Because, you know, I've realized that there are a few different types of people that cook, haven't got a clue, not too bad, really, really kind of love it. Yep. All three of those people need to be catered for that. If you don't want to add anything to it, you're good. Yes. A little bit, or if you want to take it to the left, it yeah. will be there with you as your wing person. Or if you don't have chicken, but you want to do it, don't panic. It will work with yes. any meat. Or Absolutely. That kind of thing. Is that giving them a wee bit more confidence? Isn't it? I always say I will follow a recipe. If I'm doing something that I've never done before, yep. and it's not like anything else I make, I would follow the recipe to the letter of the law the first time. And then I'll go, I wish they'd done this. Understand. And so then the next time you do that, and that's what you want to give them with your products as well, that confidence to try the next thing. Yeah. Are your customers predominantly, are the people that are purchasing male or female? How does that work out? 
They are female between the age of 24 and th- 24 and 36 is, that right? is, is my main, main drive. And then the next age group is my crew of the 39s to 60s. Yep. That's the next crew. In regards of the, the under 23s, unless they are checking in with us at, at the farmer's markets. Yes. They are eating much better than they've ever eaten before in that respect there. Um, but that hasn't been kind of, you know, it's something that we're working on and going to work yes. on more because they're the growth. Well, they're your next lot, important. aren't they? That's exactly, it. exactly. No, I just, but, I know sometimes that spicy things tend to overperform with men. You know, men will buy them if they're wanting to, if they're I going to do you. that piece of cooking at the weekend things. And that's why I just wondered if that was how that had worked for you. Women are, are our main our main buyers. Fantastic. Funny, eh? Didn't even think of it like that. It's really but good. I think because uh-huh. of the, the because of the products that we've got, not I'm saying be, that's why women are buying. But even though our first hello to the outside world is on the back of hot sauce, yes, we're a food and drink brand. So, my my partner she says this: our products are the familiar with the exotic. It's true. Familiar with a twist, isn't it? It's just that. That's kind of where we're at. So in Guyana, we eat a lot of planting and we we eat a lot of aubergine. Yep. Yeah. But in my brain, other than doing that, I know that's going to work in a chutney with cheese and sandwiches and all of that. I know it's going to work because the flavors in my mouth, it's obviously going to work because we eat it together. So it just allows you to like go, okay, well, I also like chutney. I'm not trying to shoehorn stuff to try and sell it. I'm only making things that I love. And you have some great chutneys. Thank you. The only thing I don't like about them is it makes me want to eat lots of cheese and things to have them with it. But A, it's great. I mean, they're great for adding depth of flavour into other things. And I do love them. Three words, Pat, that you think reflect who you are or that are the words that other people would use to describe you? What do you think those three words are? They don't, we're not looking for a sentence. Happy, focused, creative. Brilliant. These are good words and they're definitely you. (laughs) No, that's so true. These are definitely your words. I, I mean, there are others too, because I think you touched on earlier too that, cup half full always always grateful always anticipating and confident and I mean there are there are so many but that has been lovely to have a chat with you and I'm looking forward to coming for dinner when you're back (laughs) and that book better come soon too I'm on it 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 (laughs) no that's fantastic I'm so excited to see what happens with Pat and Pinky's next and obviously, if anyone's listening to this and they haven't tried your products, then even though Pat's in Guyana at the moment, fortunately, there are still pickers and packers in the business. And patandpinkies.com gets yep. that product to you. And it's fabulous you. product. So great. Thank you for spending time Much with me. I really enjoyed that, but you have made me hungry. <laughs> and I'm on my way to read... What I've got of yours. Okay, I'm going to go downstairs and find out what's going on as well. In that kitchen cupboard and see what's going on. But 
Thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Let Me Introduce You, the food business podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you pick up your podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. Please leave a comment to let me know what you enjoyed or connect to me at Jane Milton Food on Instagram or at Food Networking on Twitter. And if you found this helpful, we'd love you to tell other food businesses about it too. See you next time.